You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Live at the studio of Worldwide Sports Radio. All right, let's go. It's the third and long show. And here's your host, Maddie Cavs. And welcome, everybody, to a brand new show of Third and Long here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, live in Hophog, New York. You got myself, Mr. Matty Caps, along with Speedy Petey, my good friend, mentor. No, I'm not. He's not my mentor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm his mentor. He's told me numerous amounts of times, right, Speedy? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but, man, oh, man, we have a lot of stuff to go over today. I know. We're going to talk about Game 7 of the World Series. That is a big game that we're going to talk about, obviously. We're going to give, us, give you our takes on the game. Where do they go from there? Where do the Astros go? Where do the Nationals go? Where, what's going on with Garrett Cole? Garrett Cole, is basic, Garrett Cole has basically uh, distanced himself already from the Astros, so you know he's not going back to Houston whatsoever. Where is he going to go is the big question, and we're going to talk about that as well. Um, of course, it's our Thursday Pick'em Show. You know what Thursdays means. It's our favorite day. Speedy, Speedy's and I, favorite day. It's our Thursday Pick'em Show. And then, ladies and gentlemen, depending if I have to leave early and deal with a family issue or not, we will be getting into the NCAA and then paying players. And what does that mean? Are they actually paying players yet? We're going to get into that as well. But, Speedy... What's going on, bro? How is everything? What did you think of the World Series and all that? Because I know you've had the Nationals for, I for what Nationals I can remember. Six. Yes, I did. I had Nationals in six. It ended up being Nationals in seven. But, again, I thought it was another resilient effort by the Nationals. They proved all postseason long with the late game hitting, the road prowess that they have, the first team, first time all, all seven games were won by the road team and the first time in any sport where – they want uh, the team that won won all four games on the road. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, listen, pretty amazing. By it, the it, it's it, but not even from the Nationals in the World Series standpoint. There has never been a World Series where every away team has won every single game. The Astros won two in uh, two in Washington. Washington won four in Houston. That is unheard of, and that is something you don't ever see. This is the first time it's ever happened. I was shocked. You had to be shocked. All sports fans that didn't know that have to be freaking shocked to see and watch and witness something that has never been done before in Major League Baseball. I loved every minute of this World Series. This World Series game was, uh, it, it, you know, I, I can't even really explain how great it was from the pitching matchups to timely hitting to overuse of the analytics, A.J. Hinch. Yes, I am talking about you, you stupid moron. I'm talking about AJ Hinch. But you know what? Speedy, you had to you have to agree with me here. This had to be one of the better World Series that we've seen in a long time. Yep. It never seemed like it was gonna be taken control by one team or the other. The Nationals obviously winning two in Houston the way they did. Very close games. The Nationals, even though they won twelve to three in game two, it was three to two for most of the game. So it was all very close. Game four, I think, was really the only blowout. So or any all every Actually, blowout happened after the seventh inning. Well, yeah, right, but that was the only 
thing where you said this team's going to win the whole time. It was always back and forth. It was always very interesting. You had various star power come through at times, but you also had random contributors come through at times. So it was very interesting throughout. you got to love a seven-game series like this. And the Nationals, who over the years, they never got the late-game hitting. They never did the little things. They did all that and then some to win their first title. Listen, I have to give hats off to the Washington Nationals. They persevered through that entire uh, playoffs, winning against Milwaukee, which a lot of people didn't think they were going Off to. Josh the, Hader, no less. Yeah, didn't think they were going to beat the Milwaukee Brewers. You want to know who the Washington Nationals MVP is besides uh, Strasburg? That outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers who who let that ball go and they Trent scored. Christian. Yeah, they, <laughs> they won. I saw a meme on social media yesterday that showed, oh, Washington Nationals MVP, and it was the outfielder missing the ball. It, it was hilarious. But let's those talk- are normally things the Nationals would do in the past. <laughs> they were always let down by position player defense. Yeah, but and you now, know what? And now they get the stroke a lot they, of their way. That's it. It's about time, though. Good job, Good job to the Washington Expos, right? Montreal Expos, whatever. <laughs> but you know what? Let's get into it right now. Let's talk about Game 7. Zach Greinke, I, I, I've ripped you apart year after year. I've been doing this now for three years. I've ripped you apart for the past two years. You're one of them, huh? I've ripped you apart because you're the biggest mental case in Major League Baseball. And I thought yesterday was going to be no different. Zach Greinke, you proved me wrong. You pitched an unbelievable game yesterday. Incredible. And you did not deserve what happened to you guys yesterday. You went six and a third on 80 pitches, gave up two hits and two runs. Okay, I'm going to be real with you. This was phenomenal, phenomenal pitching by Zach Greinke yesterday. He was the he he. If the Houston Astros won, he was the unsung hero just because of the way he pitched that game. He I I, I couldn't believe it. My mouth was my mouth dropped. I mean, he didn't have to strike out, so they were putting the ball in play, but they weren't hitting the ball. Right. Very hard or that's, doing anything. That's fine to stay efficient, though, and that's why he had the length that he did. And even when he... He was, threw 80 pitches, that's it. Right, 80 pitches. He had, I think, 33 through four innings or something like that, so he was really good early on. He was great, even fielding, too. So he was doing everything in that game. He was, and considering his... Zach Greinke was remarkable yesterday, right. and you have to tip your cap to Zach Greinke. This is a guy who's gotten so much crap from critics and the media, me including in that because he's the biggest head case and he can't handle stuff with anxiety and all that stuff. He proved everybody but he, wrong but he wouldn't yesterday. Be where, he wouldn't be as good of a pitcher as he is if he didn't overcome it like that. And this, with those circumstances in mind in a Game 7, that was monumental. And you saw yesterday the emotion. When he came out of the game, he was crying in the dugout. And Zach Granke, listen, man, you can't hold your head. You pitched this team into a great position to do what you had to do. And you want to know who let you down? Your manager, A.J. Hinch, let you down. I'm going to talk about him in a little bit, okay? Because A.J. Hinch bothers the crap out of me right now. I do think he's still one of the best managers in baseball, okay? I'm not going to take anything away, and, I, and I, I, I'll get into that. Because, Speedy, I know you're a big fan of A.J. Hinch as well. I am, but he, he's been rough all and, postseason. And, and, and we're going to talk about that. But Zach Granke went into a game against a Nationals team who has been hitting they, they put the ball in play. They hit the ball. They get the timely hits. Zach Greinke shut them down for a six and a third inning. Now, he gave up that home run to Rendon, which was a good pitch, just a better hit. 
Right. It was a and, good pitch. And, and Anthony perfect, Rendon. was a good pitch. If Steven Strasburg didn't get the MVP, Rendon was going to get the MVP. Mm, I think was going to get the MVP. You know what? It was a three-horse three race between those three guys. I would have gave it to Rendon with his timely hitting and what he's done. That's just my opinion in this World Series. But the, I, I couldn't be mad if they did give it to Juan Soto if it wasn't uh, Anthony right. Rendon or, or, or what. Strasburg. Yeah. Um, I look at it right now. Houston Astros are going to be in disarray. The Washington Nationals will be disarray coming this offseason with people opting out. And no, they don't care. See, they won. <laughs> see, yeah, seeing what happens. But, again, this Houston Astros team, they were the best team in baseball all year. And, listen, to lose four games at home out of a seven-game series is, is an anomaly. It's never happened before besides this year. Okay? Zach Greinke, I, I there's not enough words in my vocabulary that I want to say. He, he was just marvelous yesterday. He was fantastic. He was phenomenal. He was outstanding yesterday. I couldn't believe how he kept this national lineup at bay. He gave up two hits. He had one hit, and that one hit was a home run, um, uh, a base hit or whatever it was. And then Rendon yeah, hit that home the run. the first hitter of the game got a hit, and then... He shut everyone down until... He was phenomenal after that. I think he only walked two, if I remember. He, walked, he walked two people, yeah. yeah. So. He walked two people. So he was really not he struggling. He was dealing. He, he was, was dealing He was yesterday. not struggling really at all until I would say the fifth inning. He started to have some longer at-bats, but he still was battling and got outs. Got a couple strikeouts, a couple ground outs, stuff like that. So he was really, really good. His off-speed stuff was really good. And Zach Grinke's always been great with his fastball in terms of changing speeds. Even when he's not a high-velocity pitcher, he's great at changing speeds with that too, and that really showed – I think his two-seamer was especially good, too. But his change-up's always been his best pitch, and that was his best pitch. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, I, I, I saw Zach Greinke get pulled yesterday, and a lot of the headline stories now is that Astros' decision to pull Zach Greinke in Game 7 will face scrutiny. And to be honest with you, we're going to get into it. It does deserve to face scrutiny. A.J. Hinch overmanaged this game. And actually, Speedy... You could you could chime in here too because you think he he was awful not awful but he wasn't himself all postseason right I think the reason a big reason the Astros won the way they did in 2017 was his creativity with the starting pitchers obviously the starting pitchers being who they are helped a big way a long way too but him using the starters out of the bullpen when he did him using certain relief pitchers in unconventional spots the way he did. Whether, again, it was, I think, partial to analytics. I know you're critical of the analytics, but I think it was partially because of that and, again, partially because of his creativity. I don't think he really did that as much in this postseason. It seemed like he was relying too much on the talent at this point, and it really didn't seem like there was any of those breakthroughs. Lance McCullers, Charlie Morton, Brad Peacock, they were all breakthroughs because A.J. Hinch used them unconventionally, and he outmanaged all three of those managers along the way to get to win the World Series when he did. The Dodgers were a more talented team than them. He was more creative. The Yankees, I thought, were, after the, they beat the Indians the way they did, they were on cloud nine, and all the pressures on the Astros at that point, he, outman, he outmanaged Joe Girardi. He really did. But this postseason, I really didn't see that with him. It seemed like he was relying too much on talent at times, and he made a lot of strange decisions. And in this game especially, it was monumentally strange. I would have given Grinky one more batter. See if he was really trying to battle. He was struggling with his stuff. Maybe he was. We don't know. I didn't, it didn't look like it to me. Give him one more batter, and if he 
allows a hit, if he allows a walk, then you pull him. Now, instead of putting in Harris, because Harris, I thought, was due. He was due in game six. He was too good for too long. I knew he was going to struggle, whether he was tired or not, whatever. I would not have brought in Harris. You bring in either Presley in that spot or Osuna, who they brought in later. And he ended up finishing the inning just fine. He allowed one walk and then was clean after that. Then they left Osuna in too long. Eighth inning, that's when I would have been brought in Garrett Cole right then and there. And he didn't do that. So those are the things I would have done differently. It just doesn't seem like he's managing this team as creatively as he has in the past. And I think it really hurt them in every series, really, even though they won the other two. It really, they really didn't look the same. Yeah, I mean, listen, I could talk about this all day, Speedy. You know how I feel about analytics in, into the game of baseball right now. And I feel like it takes away all from the managing standpoint. And I've said over and over and over again, analytics in the game of baseball could just take you so far, okay? When it gets into the later innings, I mean, this is where analytics are supposed to help you. I feel like this is where you need to actually be a manager and not let numbers and a computer tell you what you have to do. A.J. Hinch, in this postseason and especially in this World Series, he pulled all the, in, all the wrong strings. Because if you think about it, he's had leads in three of the four games that they lost uh, to, the, to the Washington Nationals. Okay? And, and there was a funny statistic I saw, too, about the Washington Nationals. Innings one through six, 12 runs in seven games. Se- uh, seven through nine, 21 runs. Game that that is, but but this is what I'm getting at. One, your bullpen didn't show up. Obviously, we, we could talk about that as well. But this is where you need to be an actual manager and put guys in the position, like you said, Speedy. He had guys that broke through because they were used unconventionally. He did not do that with his relievers this World Series, let alone the entire postseason. He, I personally feel. That A.J. Hinge did not put his team in position to win the games. Because I'm, I, I was reading stuff all, all throughout last night and this morning. And A.J. Hinch wanted to do, I, I, I have it right in front of me. He wanted to do, uh, he wanted to have Harris close out the seventh inning. So he wanted Harris there regardless, okay? He wanted Harris to close out the seventh. He wanted to bring in Osuna for the eighth inning, Okay. And then he wanted Garrett Cole to pitch the ninth inning. That, this, is what, this is what A.J. Hinch wanted to do. Yeah, but that's, all, going that's forward. only in clean, perfect case scenarios. Yes. When there's a runner on first in a two-to-one game and the go-ahead run coming up to the plate, you have to change things. Now, again, Osuna, maybe he's a traditional closer. Maybe the numbers have favored him more in the eighth inning or the ninth Wasn't inning. Wasn't he a San Francisco Giant? No. Oh, I'm thinking of Romero. I'm thinking of Romero. Yeah, I'm thinking of Romero. Yeah. Okay. So. They look the same. If that's the case, sometimes you got to switch to that. And then if if you didn't trust Osuna in that spot because of the numbers, okay, fair. You have Ryan Presley, who's pitched better lately. He struggled in the beginning of the series because he was still dealing with that injury. He left uh, the game six of the ALCS with against the Yankees. He left that game with an injury. So he struggled as a result early. And then he was getting it going later. He pitched very well in game four. He pitched well, very well in game five. Go to him instead. Because Harris was more on the downturn. He had that rough game six. He had a he had a okay game five, but he wasn't great. You have to really 
notice the recent trends, too. And the numbers will show that, too. The analytics will show that. Plenty of it. And those situational stats will definitely be shown. And in most situational stats, Osuna is still better. And analytics have told you, you don't pitch pitchers as conventionally anymore. That's not the way of the game. It's the same way as the hitting lineups are not the same. Closers are not the same and should not be used the same. And that's where you, if you didn't want to put Presley in, you put in Osuna to get that inning out. You're pitching like a closer. It's essentially a safe situation, even if it's the seventh inning. It's like a safe situation. Do it then. Osuna's versatile. Do it then. And then the eighth inning, we've seen stars out of the bullpen all the time. That's part of analytics, too, the, the mantra that they have. You pitch Garrett Cole. I mean, that, that, that's a good way to look at it. And, and to be honest with you, it, I mean, it sounds so good when, when it's not actually happening, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I, a, A.J. Hinch, to me, like, like you said, this postseason, he wasn't himself or he just pulled all the wrong strings. And I wouldn't have not touched I would have not touched Zach Greinke after he gave up that home run and then a walk. I would have let let right. him be the pitcher he was being for you in that game seven. Especially since those were two best hitters. And gotten out of it. Because I, I strongly believe with the way Zach Greinke was pitching, he would have gotten out of that inning unscathed. It's possible. Nothing. Right. It's definitely possible. Yeah, of course it's possible. And again, I think, especially since it was the two best hitters in their lineup, I think there's a little more leeway to say, all right, Juan Soto worked out a good at bat. You did a good job not giving him any pitches to hit. Fine. Whatever. Pitch to Kendrick. Again, if you're still struggling with control or whatever, or you allow a hard hit ball, or if you allow a hit, like a, a double or something to tie the game, then you take him out. Okay. Then that's the end of it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, I, I understand that. I, 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 A.J. Hinge blew this World Series for the, for the Houston Astros. I firmly believe that with his coaching moves after the seventh inning. And this is why... And I, and, and I could bring this up over in any sport, really. This is why there's some guys that are, are really good managers or coaches in their prospective sports, and there's some that are not. A.J. Hinch, to me, has been an analytic-type guy throughout his entire career. Absolutely. Okay? And it's worked for him. And the one time he's actually needed to be a manager, okay, it didn't work, and now people are going to start doubting him, possibly, and, and, and the numbers and the analytic game. Because you know what? I've said this over and over again, too. You, you look at the NBA. You look at the Golden State Warriors. Everybody praises Steve Kerr for what he's done <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. You want to praise Steve Kerr? What has he done? He's had arguably the best teams in NBA history, Okay. Now that he had to be a manager, and yes, Steph Curry broke his hand. He's going to be out, which uh, I wasn't expecting anyway. Well, he might be right now. <laughs> but, but, but now that he has to be a coach, he's showing that he's not that good of a coach because there's been, out of their, all their losses this season, they were down 30, 40 points. And I'm sorry, that just does not happen. And you were at home. Oh, we thought that too with Eric Spolstra, but Eric Spolstra became a good coach. He's became, but you want to know why? It's because he had Pat Riley above him. That sure. as maybe he gave him a few pointers. Maybe he's listened to what Pat Riley had to say because Pat Riley could be on the Mount Rushmore of NBA coaches sure. if you think about but it. But if you think about it from that perspective to the Astros, the Astros' player development analytic department is phenomenal. And it's been hinted at for a while yeah, but, how good yeah, they but, are. Yeah, but this just shows that... 
there was going to be a time where the analytics weren't going to work, and this was the time. This was the World Series where it didn't work. And he pulled the, he pulled the right strings against the Yankees. I'm going to give him credit there. He pulled the right strings. But even that series, I don't think he was great. I don't, I don't think he was creative and unconventional like we've seen him be in the past. And, and unconventional can also be analytically unconventional too, though. It's a combination of both. I think there were some moves that were definitely analytical and some that weren't. And, again, it, it works out that way. I just think – he was too talent-reliant at times, which is the same problem I had with Dave Roberts at times. Ugh, don't, why, why are you putting me in a bad mood now? Why do you have to bring I up know, that name? But it's a similar problems where they're just trusting certain talent too much and not using the depth that they have on the team. Now, the Astros' bullpen is not filled with depth, but they're ast- the Astros' overall pitching staff is, and that's where you have to know when to put them in, in times of the game because analytics – is not only a player thing, it's also the time of the game thing. It's also the situational thing. And that's what you have to look at, too. And that's maybe something he was missing as well. A.J. Hinch, to me, blew this series for them. Nothing is going to change my mind with that. Blew, blew the series for them. And he, he's the reason why they weren't what they were going forward. But you know what? That's neither here or there. It, it, it just bothers the crap out of me because all these guys... I could really go manage a professional baseball team. I could go manage an NBA. I could go coach an NBA team. It, 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 it's crazy. If you understand the game and know what you got to do, it's easier said than done is, is all I'm going to say with that. But now, Speedy, let, let, let's stay with the Major League Baseball. Let's talk about a little bit about Garrett Cole. He's been distancing, him, distancing himself from the Houston Astros right away. Where do you think he goes? I know people have brought this team up a lot for the way their front office spends money. But if, if these reports are true about what's happening with Garrett Cole and him getting really this mad at the Astros, I feel like this actually helps this team's case even more. The Angels? Yeah. He's going to want to stick it to the Astros now, I think. I think it really just helps their case even more. Because, again, the rest of their division, Texas does spend money, but I can't see that right now just with the way they've, their front office is going to still changed. another L.A. team there. Yeah, but I, I, the, the Dodgers don't scream, one, they're going to stick it to the Astros. I don't think they're really rivals just because they play in a World Series. I think Garrett Cole is going to want, unless the Dodgers offer $30 million more than the Angels do, I really can't see that. But you know what? It could very well happen. I, to it me, could. To me, the L.A. Angels... Are, are the garbage from Queens just on the oh, West I've, Coast? Oh, I've compared them a lot. They're, they're very similar front office in terms of them making mistakes, and they're the complete opposite in terms of what they do. The Angels give out too many bad contracts. The Mets give up. They don't give out contracts. <laughs> the Mets are so cheap. Yeah. But I've said that for a while. I've said that they're the, the Mets are the worst National League and the Angels are the worst American League front office. I, but again, the Angels are aggressive, and that's why I think they, they're still probably the favorites for that. And I think Garrett Cole, because of that, those factors with the Astros, is going to want to, again, stick it to them. Again, any team can still get it just based on the money. I think there's definitely contenders that need starting pitching. Uh, even in the National League, too, you look at a team like the Brewers, you look at a team like the Cubs, I would never rule them out in terms of spending that kind of money. So th- there's definitely options, but I think what his... his comments about the Astros, him not being affiliated with the team. He's not employed by the team. I think that only helps a team like the Angels, who's right in division. Now, my point on this is Garrett Cole, he he 
grew up a Yankee fan. He he's wanted yeah, but so did Patrick Corbin. Listen, so don't, yes, don't judge on that. He's wanted to be a Yankee since 2009. The Yankees had him in they drafted him. They had Garrett Cole until they traded him. Okay? Now, of course, being a Yankee fan, would would I would I want Garrett Cole on my starting staff? Absolutely. Can the Yankees afford Garrett Cole? Absolutely. The question remains is, is Garrett Cole going to come here? And Speedy, the reason why I said the excuse me, the reason why I said the Angels is because right now what I'm hearing is that he wants to go out west. He wants to I go out that. west. And for that reason, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, I, but from what I'm reading and what I've heard is that he wants to go out west. Right. So now being a Yankee fan, I'm counting Garrett Cole out for, for the New York Yankees. I think Garrett Cole is either going to be an L.A. Angel or an L.A. Dodger. And I will tell you this. If he becomes an L.A. Dodger, I will bet any amount of money right now because David Roberts will be fired by half season, by midseason. <laughs> okay? But once that firing happens, the Dodgers, Wick, Garrett Cole, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Walker Bueller, Hyun Run, Yu, whatever his name Whichever is. Whichever side you get of him, though, because he's Listen, always been an up-and-down pitcher. Yes, but he pitched fantastic this season. Okay? The L.A. Dodgers, one, will be World Series favorites. Two, for the first time, they're going to win the World Series in a uh, first time in a long you time. You hope, but they've been so talented and deep for so long, and they haven't done it yet, so it's still mental with them. So I don't know. And I've, I've praised the Dodgers forever for that, but now are they ever going to do it if they're not doing it now? I don't know. Um, it's not really a talent. Well, thing with well, them. well, well I know it's it's the manager. It's the manager. It's I all, know, and it's also the mental stability of those players. It's the manager. It's not the mental stability. It's the manager. Yeah, Dave, but they were bad with David, Don Mattingly too. In the David playoffs. Roberts, another bad manager. David Roberts, again, ladies and gentlemen of the L.A. Dodgers, is the worst manager in Major League Baseball. He's number one. You want to know who the second worst manager in Major League Baseball is? A.J. Hinch right now. <laughs> Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone is the second worst manager in baseball. I thought you were going to go for recency bias there. No, 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 no. No, no, no. But it, it, it's crazy to think that guys like this have opportunities to win World Series when they are absolute garbage. It, it's just shocking to me. But ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go to a quick break. And when we do come back from break, I'm sorry, but we are going to have to end the show early as I have to go deal with a family issue. Speedy and I are going to get right into it. We're going to get into our Thursday pick'ems. And we're going to go from there, Speedy, our Thursday pick'ems. So make sure you tune in next Wednesday because next Wednesday will be a big show for Speedy and I because that is when we are going to get into. And Speedy and I have different opinions on this. We're going to disagree forever on this issue. The NCAA finally paying the college athletes. We're going to get into that when we come back here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 1-877-909-9977 is the number to reach us here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the last segment of our show is Speedy's and I, favorite part of football season. Am I right, Speedy? Isn't this the most favorite part of football season? Plenty. Let's get into it right now. San Francisco 49ers, Arizona Cardinals. Speedy, go ahead. 
Oh yes, this will be fun. Not for the Cardinals though. The 49ers are winning this game. They're winning it pretty big. This will be fun though for Nick Bosa against the team that should have drafted him. Mm-hmm. Arizona. Yeah, okay. Yeah, your offensive line's terrible. Nick Bosa and the rest of that defensive line's gonna have a field day. Their their run defense has been phenomenal, and the Cardinals still have more of a running style offense. They br they brought in Kenyon Drake this week. They st uh, I believe Chase Edmonds isn't playing, but they have him. Uh, they have David Johnson, I believe, as a backup. I think for Drake right now, the way it is, and obviously Kyler Murray running. But it's gonna ha they're gonna be a hard to have a hard time. They really don't have the downfield threats to take advantage of that secondary. And for the Niners' offense, their pass-catching running backs did a very good job. And the, the Cardinals' linebackers have had trouble this year. George Kittle, I think, has a field day as well. So I don't think this is really will be close. San Francisco, 30-10. to 10. I'm looking at this game, and I think Cliff Kingsbury and Kyle Murray are going to be way out of their league in this game. 49ers are going to win this game, and they're going to win it pretty easily. 49ers are going to score 35 points on this team. They scored 51 on a better team in Carolina. They're going to score 35 points, and Cardinals are only going to put up 13. 35-13, the San Francisco 49ers. Next game, Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. These two teams play very close all the time. I think it's definitely interesting. I'm going to take Jacksonville, though, for... A couple reasons. One of which I think them the game being in London, they played there a lot more. I think they'll be more used to it than the Houston Texans who haven't played as many international games. And we saw last year with Deshaun Watson when he had that, that rib injury, he had trouble with the uh, what was it, the the travel where he had that broken rib and he had that lung, lung clot or whatever he had when he was traveling. Oh. That could affect him obviously flying as far coast to coast across the Atlantic Ocean. And that, I think that could hurt him as a whole. So I don't know how ready he'll be for something international like that. I think this is his first appearance, too. So I think that doesn't help. But then you got the Jacksonville pass rush, which is still lethal. The Texans don't have the run defense, really, to deal with that. I think Hopkins is a big day, but I think that's really it. Their other receivers have been banged up. So I think that's going to be very hard. And, then I, and for Houston, no J.J. Watt on that front means I think Leonard Fournette is going to have a field day as well, running the ball. Gardner Minshew plays okay. That'll be enough to win. I'll take Jacksonville 23-20. to 20. Uh, No J.J. Watt is going to hurt the Texans on the front line. I just think talent-wise, the Houston Texans have more than the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I want to trust Gardner Minshew at home, but I, 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 I can't. I can. I'm going to take Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans in this game in a close one. 23-21, the Houston Texans will win this game. I don't care that it's in London. I don't care who's played there more. The better team will win this game, and that's the Houston Texans. 23-21. Next game, Speedy. Oh, do we even need to talk about this one? Washington at Buffalo. Yeah, this is going to be Buffalo. They're at home. That defense is still phenomenal. The Redskins will be getting Trent Williams back, which should help a little. But, again, this is his first game all year. We don't know if he's going to be 100% just in football shape, really. And Buffalo's pass rush is lethal. The Redskins don't have the receivers to attack that secondary depth like the Eagles did last week. The run game could do well, but that's only going to do well for so long. I think the Redskins' defense will keep it close for a while, but fall apart in the second half like they always do. 
I'll take the Bills 20 to 7. 20 to 7, interesting. I don't think the Redskins are going to score a point in this game. I think Buffalo, after that loss against Philadelphia last week at home, getting their, you know, butts handed to them, they're going to come out with a vengeance. 23 nothing, 24 nothing. the Buffalo Bills are going to win against Washington. I can't see Washington scoring a point in this game. Tennessee at Carolina, Speedy. Two very good defenses. This could go either way. I think these running games are going to have have some trouble in this game. These are two very good run defenses. Uh, I'm going to take Carolina, though, for this reason. I think even with the Titans getting Taylor Lewan back the way they have, their offensive line still hasn't looked as good quite yet. They don't look like the dominant selves, and Carolina's pass rush is really, really good. I think they're second or third in the league in quarterback hits, and they're fifth in the league in sacks. So they're still really good. I think that's going to have some trouble for Mariota and have trouble for that offensive line. And the Titans really don't have the receivers or the pass-catching running backs like we saw with the Niners last week. They don't really have those weapons that really take advantage. I think Christian McCaffrey plays well enough as a receiving back against, again, not great coverage outside linebackers for the Titans. And I think Kyle Allen will do okay. Not great, but okay. Just conserving the ball after a multi-turnover game last week. So I'll take the Panthers close, low scoring, 20-13. to 13. I don't trust Ryan Tannehill. I don't trust him on the road in Carolina. I am going to trust the Carolina defense, like Speedy has said, to shut them down. I'm going to take Carolina in this one, but I think Carolina is going to be able to score points here because I think after last week's embarrassment, they're going to come out firing. Juan Rivera has to do something different, maybe open up the playbook a little bit. Carolina is going to win this one. 26-17, Carolina Panthers. Chicago at Philadelphia, Speedy. Another game that's going to be really low scoring. I'm going to take uh, Philly in this one. They're at home. They've had the Bears number for a while now. I think they've won, I think, each of the last four matchups or something like that. Again, two very good run defenses. I think they're going to have a hard time running the ball, but Philly's receiving depth I just trust a little more right now than Chicago's. It was a question mark for both teams coming into the year, but the Eagles played well last week against the Bills with that receiving depth, and I think that'll end up making a difference in this one. And the Chicago offensive line is still terrible, I think, especially on the outside, and against that pass rush. Even though they've been a little down this year, they still have a lot of depth and a lot of talent to be able to do it. I think the Bears' defense will hold in the field goals and keep this game close, but I think the Eagles will come through in the end. I'll take them in a very close, low-scoring game, 16-10. to 10. I don't like the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky has been a disappointment. There's nothing about the Bears that gives me hope that they'll win in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz played great last week against a tough Buffalo Bills defense. Now they're going to the home confines. Eagles are going to win this one. 28-13, the Philadelphia Eagles. Vikings at Chiefs. Again, nope, still no Patrick Mahomes. He will probably be back next week against Tennessee. Matt Moore played good at times against Green Bay, so I don't think it'll be as big of a blowout as people think, but the problem is the Chiefs have just no run defense. Dalvin Cook might get 200 yards in this game. He has been that good all year, and the Chiefs' run defense after the Bengals have been the second worst in football. So, yeah, that's not a good recipe for that. The Vikings' offense still has been very lethal. The Chiefs have had a good pass rush at times this year, but has not been consistent, so I think that 
ability to expose the Vikings if the offense won't be as big as people think. I'll take the Vikings 31 to 20. 31 to 20, the Vikings. I'm actually going to take the Chiefs with or without Patrick Mahomes. They need this game very, very much. They lost a tough one to Aaron Rodgers uh, in the primetime game. I think Andy, Andy Reid is going to pull the right strings here. Chiefs are going to win this one. 24-20, Kansas City Chiefs. Here we go, the Tank Bowl, Speedy, Jets and Dolphins. Oh, hold on, we, we got something different for this. We do have something different for this? <laughs> the New York Ghostbusters. <laughs> well. You know what? Leave this on the rest of the time. Eh, it's, it's, it's Halloween. That's true. It is Halloween. All right. Uh, I, again, it would be funny if the Jets somehow tank and lose this game because, as I like to call it, Adam Gase's revenge. Miami wants Tua. If the Jets get in front of him, give the pick to somebody else or something like that. That would be funny. But the Dolphins will still tank and lose this game. The Jets will win this very sloppy game. Uh, also 16 to 10. 16 to 10 you have? Yep. I'm going to have the Jets win this game as well. Miami, we knew what they were doing since April, that they were going to be tanking because they've come out and said they're tanking for Tua. Jets are going to win this game. Sam Donald's going to ha have a great game and get everyone back on his side again. Jets score 28 points. Dolphins score 10 28-10, the New York Jets. This is going to be a good one. Indianapolis at Pittsburgh. Speedy? Yeah, in Pittsburgh, so it's definitely going to be tough. But I got to take the Colts still. The Colts have been pesky all year. I think their offense has some good matchups to expose. The Steelers' run defense has been a little better, but still not great. Marlon Max had a nice season. So I think he'll go off. I think T.Y. Hilton goes off this week as well. And their defense, I think, will be able to stop the run. I think Juju will play well, but that's about it up for the Steelers' offense. Colts close, 26-20. Colts are going to win this game. I don't trust Mason Rudolph yet. He's playing very good football. They're going to take nothing away from him. But that Colts team, I'm telling you, man, in the NFL game, you need a defensive line and an offensive line. You win the, you win the trenches, you'll most likely win the football game. The Colts have one of the best on each side of the ball in the trenches. Colts are going to win this football game. It'll be a close one, but they're going to win. 20-16, to 16, the Indianapolis Colts. Next game, Detroit at Oakland. This could go either way. I think you've got two quarterbacks who have always been good in the clutch. Two defenses that have some question marks but have overperformed at times. And two good offenses. This could go either way. I'm going to take Detroit, though, because I trust their defense a little more than I trust the Raiders. The Raiders have a great run defense. The problem is the Lions aren't going to really run the ball that much. There's no, obviously no carry on Johnson. They didn't make a trade for the running back at the trade deadline like people thought they would. So I really think it's just going to be a field day for Matthew Stafford. The Raiders traded Gary on Conley. Their corners are depleted. And while the Lions' secondary isn't much, they still have Darius Slay. So I think that'll make a difference. Lions win in a shootout, 34-31. 34-31? I'm going to take John Gruden at home and Derek Carr. Derek Carr has been playing good football, which is shocking because I still don't think he's that good of a quarterback. John Gruden is coming into his own. I think it's going to take him maybe another year to get really going as an NFL head coach again after a long hiatus that he had. I am going to take the Raiders in this one. 
and a high-scoring affair, to say the least. 30-26. The Oakland Raiders. Tampa Bay at Seattle, Speedy. Uh, I think this will be close in the beginning, but I think Seattle will pull away later. Bruce Arians has a lot of experience in Seattle, so I don't think the noise will be as big of a factor for them. I think he'll have his team a little more prepared. And the Seahawks have actually lost two games at home this year, so I think it will be close. Their big-bodied receivers with Godwin and Evans will be able to break the press a little better that the Seahawks like to play. It's more smaller receivers that struggle against them. So I think it will be close for a little while. The problem is their defense is still iffy in the secondary, and Seattle's going to get some big plays. I think they'll be able to stop the run okay because Tampa's run defense is great, but Seattle I think will be able to stretch the field and some take advantage of some Jameis Winston turnovers that will end up making the difference. I'll take Seattle, I think closer than people think. I'll, I don't know what the spread is, but I'll take Seattle 30-21. to 21. Um, Yeah, this game isn't even going to be worth talking about. I don't even know why the spread's only 5.5. Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston, they stink. I don't care that Bruce Arians has... Played in uh, 12th man in that Seattle stadium before. Seattle's going to win this. They always start off slow, but in the second half, they really turn it on. Seattle's going to score 38 points this game. Tampa Bay's going to score 17. 38-17 to Seattle Seahawks. Cleveland at Denver. This one will be interesting because I think the Broncos' defense has played really well this year. The problem is now they're going with a newer quarterback in Brandon Allen who is a... Madden jokes that goes way back with my brother. <laughs> we never thought he would actually start a game, but now he is. I think he'll play okay, but not good enough. I th- I'm going to take Cleveland. It'll be very close because the Broncos' defense has been good, especially against the pass. And I think they'll be able to rush the passer a little bit, but the problem is they haven't gotten consistent production in that area. So I'm still going to take Cleveland. I think Nick Chubb plays well in this game. He's played very good against good defenses this year. And I think that'll be enough. I think there'll be some throws that Baker makes uh, at times. And Brandon Allen, eh, I don't know. I don't know what to trust. Philip Lindsay will do well, but that's about it for Denver. I'll take Cleveland close, 23-17. I'm going to take Cleveland as well. I think Baker Mayfield, I still think he stinks, and I've said that since he got drafted. Um, But I think he's going to show up and prove all the critics wrong in this game against not that good of a Denver team without Joe Flacco at the helm, who's out four to six weeks. Cleveland wins this game 21-13, the Cleveland Browns. Green Bay at your favorite team, the Chargers. Speedy, least clutch team in football, will lose again. They're not surviving the way they did against Chicago when Chicago just outchargers to them. Packers have some good matchups in this game. I think the running game, whether it's Aaron Jones, whether it's Jamal uh, Williams, I think one of them or both of them will have a big day against a bad run uh, Chargers run defense. Aaron Rodgers, I think, does well against a, again, a secondary that's been good at times but isn't great. Casey Hayward, ex-Packer, will know them a little bit, but there's still other corners on that team that won't. So I think it's going to be very hard. The Chargers offense, I think, will do well at times. I think Melvin Gordon not being traded, I think that'll be a little bit of a sigh of relief. I think he plays well. And I think Mike Williams, if he plays, will will have a good game against some smaller Packers corners. But that's really it. And again, the Chargers lose close games. This one I have as a two-possession game, but still will be semi-close. 30-21 Green Bay. 30-21, huh? I'm going to take here the Green Bay Packers as well. Chargers need this game 
as bad as anybody, but this isn't going to be the game. LaFleur and uh, Mr. Rogers over there, they're still getting used to each other, but they're playing some good football. Green Bay's going to win this game, and Aaron Rodgers is going to have a, like I said at the beginning, he's having an MVP-type season. He's going to have an MVP-type game again. 33-26, the Green Bay Packers. New England at Baltimore. This is the primetime game. This is interesting. I've said this. If the Patriots are going to lose, this could be one of the games they could lose. These two defenses are both very good, and the Ravens' defense is a little depleted in the secondary, so that could be an issue. But the Patriots have also had issues with their wide receivers as well, so I think it's going to be very interesting. I'm going to take the Patriots for just for the fact it's a primetime game. I think Lamar Jackson will run the ball very well because the Patriots do struggle against running quarterbacks notoriously. And I think the Ravens' running game will play well to keep the Patriots' offense off the field. But I think there'll be just some passing mistakes that Lamar Jackson will make, whether it's getting hit as he threw and making, forcing the ball or fumbling. Something is going to happen. He's just not really primetime experienced yet. I think if this was a regular game, I think the Ravens win this game. But just because it's primetime, I'm going to take the Patriots 20-14. to 14. As much... As I want to take the Baltimore Ravens at home in a primetime game. I just can't bet against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in this type of game whatsoever. It'll be a close one, but the New England Patriots are on a whole nother level. I don't think they'll go undefeated, though. I think they'll lose a game. At Philly, it could be a loss. But I, 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 I think they're going to win this game. 24 to 20, the New England Patriots. And the final game before we get going, Dallas at the New York Giants. Speedy. Another game that I think the underdog would win if it wasn't a primetime game, because I do think the Giants are going to be close in this game. But I'm still going to take Dallas, better primetime team. Daniel Jones, this is his first primetime, or his second primetime game. But Monday Night Football is a much bigger level of primetime than Thursday Night Football. So I think it'll he'll have some mistakes. Saquon Barkley, I think, plays really well in this game. Ezekiel Elliott will play really well in this game. I think the Stars will come out. But I do think the Giants secondary, while they have struggled, will have some favorable matchups in this one. That being said, I think Dallas just has too much on their defense to be able to get Daniel Jones going. So I think Dallas will win this game pretty close, 27 to 20. As much as I want to take the New York Giants, because I'm a Giant fan just like Speedy is, Dallas Cowboys are going to win this game. And if they don't win this game and you're a Dallas fan, don't call into my show. Don't, don't, even, don't even say anything to me because you'll get ripped apart by me if you lose to the New York Giants. Dallas are going to win this game. I think Ezekiel Elliott will have a good game, but I'm intrigued to see how that new acquisition for the New York Giants, Leonard Williams, will play. I don't know how they'll fit in Betra's defense. I have some I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I think uh, I don't think Dak Prescott's going to have a good game. One, because he sucks. But two, I don't think he's going to have a good game. It'll, it'll be Ezekiel Elliott's show in this game. Dallas going to win this game. 30-21, the Dallas Cowboys. And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, it is 5-10. 
I know I'm ending the show about 45 minutes, 50 minutes early. I am so sorry, but I do have a family issue I do have to take care of right now. But that is it for our show here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We will be back next week. Best, Make of, sh- best of luck to Thank your you. Mother. Thank you. Next Wednesday, Speedy and I will be getting into the NCAA college money talk, and that's going to be a big show because we, him and I like to disagree at, at, at this. Am I right, Speedy? Mm-hmm. It's it. I think we'll just forever disagree on this. It's, it's, it's going to be a good time, that's for sure. Make sure you tune in. We're going to yell at each other. He's going to make fun of me. I'm going to make fun of him. It's what we do here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for our show here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.